This is everyone's PSA <laughs> to get water before we begin. We want you so nice and hydrated. Hydrate. It's important. It's very important. Water is important. Yes. Good morning. Before we begin, welcome to Snowed in January and welcome to our final special of the month. Yeah. You're welcome. Three. Pencil. Snowed in January with a side of tinsel. Crystal has had way too much fun adding sound effects to our specials this month. This is the last special of January, it so is. we're going to have to get our ass in gear to find some Valentine's Day books for next I month. I know. I thought about that. Let's get, like, comfy cozy and delve into yes. our final. Grab a mug. Grab uh-huh. a cup. Grab a mug and grab a cup. Those are very similar. Well, I was saying you could grab a mug of coffee, grab a mug of hot chocolate, grab a cup of water, whatever your poison was. Grab your right. cotton candy water bottle. Grab your drink of drink. choice. Grab your drink of choice, buckle up, and get ready for this wild ride, because it's going to be, it's going to be May. (laughs) My soul just died. Listen, I worked really hard to not defy gravity for you today. You just shut up and be happy. I'm going to have to mute you if you even start. She had to call me yesterday and be like, I need to figure you're lucky because i she's like i was trying to figure out how to make it so dirty and then i had to stop no i I spent 20 minutes in the car with it on repeat to try to get it out of my head so that i would not be singing it today so you're welcome everybody you're welcome for your i go full 100 on defying she goes full broadway i do however i am your narrator to start today oh are we before i do no no, we are not. It we are unpaid actors. <laughs> Certainly am. <laughs> but before we do, Angie, would you like to read us the list of our titles for Snowden Volume 3? I can certainly do that. So the first one is Say It Ain't Snow by Ali Beck and Kota Jean. Snow Place I'd Rather Be by Ames Mills. A High Stakes Christmas by Cassidy Williams. Dallas's First Christmas by Amber Nicole, Frozen in Love, with that's in like a snowy in cabin. Frozen in Love by Rachel Callahan, Wrapped and Ready by Jay Pratt, Snow Vacancy by M. Tory, Snow Place Like Home by Maggie McAllister, Snowbody Knows by Penelope Page, Frostbitten by Desire by B. E. Fiddler, Teased by Tinsel. By Nikki Lay, The Snowy Cabin by Anna G. Berry, The Holiday Fix by Nicole Banks, Storm by S.E. Green, Snowstorm Squatters by Whitney Eads, Three's a Charm by Gwendolyn Grace, and that is it. Yay! Sorry, that was really loud. Tinsel! Yay! Yay! So, Ariel has the floor. The story that I chose was Snow Place I'd Rather Be by Ames Mills. This little 
novella, novelette features quite an array of characters. And our story opens up with Miles and Everly. They have been in a relationship for six years. And Miles is taking Everly away for their anniversary. They're in a car. She does not know where they're going. It's a surprise. They're driving along, trying to make their way, but the snow is coming down. And it's getting hard because the weather is affecting their service and their GPS. So they're wondering if they're lost. They're wondering what's going on. But even after six years, they're also very frisky with one another. Is that why it was hard? And they get a little frisky in the car. Miles teases Everly and then Miles does not finish her off and she is not happy about it. But apparently the day before she was really sexting him while he was at work and he had to go into a meeting quite stiff and he was not happy about it. So this was payback for that. Well, that's okay because she has quite the talk of her own and apparently she also has a surprise for their anniversary, and it's in her bag. Evidently, Miles recently has shared with her that he thinks that he might be bisexual. Apparently, he had a very tough family growing up. They were very hard on him and hard on those things, and he shared with Everly his past and about this guy when he was about to start college and this moment that he had when he thought he had feelings for him and then it dissipated because of his family and whatnot. But he, now that he's in a healthy, stable relationship with her and he's, you know, learning himself and learning what healthy looks like, it has him wondering that side of him or what that could have been if he had healthy examples then and a healthy avenue so this woman went out and bought herself a strap on okay that's one way to test it <laughs> so that she can peg him play, play with her man and She's gonna uh, peg him going on. yeah she is and she can see if she can give him what he needs on all ends love that for him so they seem very blissful with one another and they have a great communicative relationship. You kind of have to if you're going to, you know. They're open with one another. They're happy. They're having a grand old time, even trying to navigate through the snowstorm until a deer runs out in front of the road and they have to swerve to try not hit it. And their car hits a snowbank and their car is stuck. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Luckily, there is an SUV driving by the almost deserted roads and the SUV pulls over to see if they need help. And this mountain of a man steps out. We know how Ariel feels about mountains of men. Yes, we do. Though it's not very difficult. You're very tiny. Oh my God. So the other day at breakfast, these state troopers came to the school I don't know what they were doing. They were just visiting during that day that we should have had no school, but were we did have super hot. Well, hold on. We should have had no school that day that I was like, really, we should have no school, but we did have school. So I think they were just kind of 
checking in because they were bored because, you know, snow and they had duty. And I shit you not, I walked in to the cafeteria and went like this because this man needed to duck to get through the doorway of the cafeteria. And I was like, yeah. And the kids were loving having me stand next to him because they thought it was the most hilarious thing in the world. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. Um, so apparently he was six, six, seven. He told me that's a tall. He was man. a little scrawny for my taste, but he was tall. Anywho, <laughs> this mountain of a man, this beefy mountain of a man, I probably would climb like a fucking tree if he liked women but we'll get there so this man steps out asks if they need some help this man is dean is he like a decent dean i fucking hate dean Dean. Dean. i fucking hate deans in books hold your reservations okay you're not selling it give me a moment just give you shit dean happens to be the man from the story from before Miles went to college. Oh boy. Just ruminate on that for a moment. What a coincidence. What a coinky dink. Ariel loves those. I do. So he says the roads are all closing. Apparently, he is like the big cheese. So the roads are all closing up ahead. So even if they were able to get their car car out right now. Yeah, so how'd like that Chris- accent come? So like Crystal for a second. Fuck you. So he says, you know, where are you headed? They tell him where. He's like, oh, that's still an hour out. You're not even going to get there because most of those roads have already closed. And he says, why don't you come back to our place? You know, wait out the storm. Our place. Oh, yeah. Me and my boyfriend. Ooh. So they do. They get their bags and uh, get in the SUV and head back to their place. Now we meet Tate, our sweet little petite bisexual Tate. And then Tate doesn't take very long to realize who just walked in the door. Because apparently Miles is basically the man who got away for Dean. And Tate knows that. And then we get the story of what happened and how they had a summer together because Dean was working for his father, and they got closer together. Then they had one night where they came clean about Miles being confused about how he was feeling towards him, and then they kissed, but they didn't even get very far into the kiss before Miles' dad called for him, and then Miles scrambled back, confused and worried about his dad, and took off. And he never saw Dean again. He went to college Dean changed his number, and there we go. Oh, boy. Dean was afraid of the look in his eyes, like the disgust for himself in his eyes that Miles had. He was older, and he didn't want to play that game, especially with how he felt towards the situation. He knew he was going to get sucked in. He thinks it's fine. It worked out now. Miles is with Everly. Clearly, it worked out. He's with Tate. Everything's great. Everything's gravy everybody's kind to one another they get all settled tate shows them the guest room and the couples head to their separate bedrooms for the night because it's pretty late but everly is still worked up from the car and not getting to finish with all the tension of seeing 
Dean again and all the men everywhere. Everyone is so worked up. So Everly needs some seeing too. Despite Miles being a little nervous to do this under someone else's roof, they proceed to get it on. And they get a little loud because Everly is basically like, I want to watch you. And he says, watch me what? With him. I feel you twitching inside me. I know you want it. And he's like, he has a boyfriend. And she's like, maybe he can watch too. I found out while we were drinking hot chocolate that he's bisexual, so he can play with me while we watch you. Win-win kind of thing. You know, I like this girl. She's a visionary. Tell me you want it, Miles. I need to hear the words. Can I just say that with the new mic, that really just hit. And this is turning him super on. This is really getting him going. He says, I want him to fuck my ass so hard that I can't see straight. I want to watch you come apart for Tate while he does it. I want to feel Dean's cum leaking from my ass. I want to see Tate's cum leaking out of you. And then, you know what I'm going to do, gorgeous? I'm going to lick it out of your pretty pouty pussy. Let's just give it to the world that Ariel said that entire sentence because I don't, she never speaks like that. That was a lot. That was, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Direct quote. Okay. Needless to say, this makes her come a lot, but sweet, nosy little Tate with them being so loud, he can't help but be standing at their door listening. So he scurries the fuck back to his room. And Dean is like, leave the door open. Oh, boy. And they proceed to, with all these noises in the background, enjoy themselves. And Everly and Miles have finished. So the boys are really going strong. I mean, they've got stamina, baby. So Tate is going now and working on Dean. And he's like, I know it's what you want. I want her. You want him. It's a win. And do you know how tight his ass is going to be? It will hug your big cock so hard. (laughs) And Dean reacts strongly to that. Oh, I bet he does. So he flips Tate's legs up on Tate's shoulders and basically bends him in half and like frogs over him on the bed, like pounding into him and bends him over so that his dick is dangling over his own mouth so that when he is comes he into- like a yoga master? He's a tiny little thing. He's like barely oh, okay. five Fair feet point. himself. So it's like a cum fountain into his mouth, right? Dribbles into his own mouth. He drinks his own cum as he No, comes. thank you. I was like- But do you know who else was like, oh, well, that would be Miles who had gotten up to go to the bathroom and clean up after all this and was standing in the open doorway and watched this escalation and locked eyes with Tate. I'm leaving my door open. (laughs) Well, then, this escalated very quickly. I mean, Dean is very... Like, great. He's like, good boy. You take my cock so good. Like, he's just, 
I like how serious she starts it, but then she giggles like she's like ready to collect her pearls from reading it. It's so funny. She has like the dirtiest mind, but saying anything out loud like embarrasses her and makes her giggle. So it's adorable. <laughs> Can relate. So needless to say, breakfast the next morning is a little awkward. Oh, um just bang God. it out. It's fine. Just more than a little it. awkward. But Everly and Dean don't understand why it's so awkward. So Everly pulls Miles aside into the hall and is basically like, what the fuck? What is going on? And he explains to Everly what he saw last night. And she's like, Miles, were you being a creeper? She is he's fully into this. And he's like, their door was open. And she's like, so their door was wide open and you distinctly hear sex noises and you still go snooping. And he's like, Everly, stop. I couldn't help it. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with being curious, especially after what we were talking about. It's only natural. And he's like, I invaded their privacy. Tate saw me. And she's like, did you ever think that the door was left open on purpose? And then from behind them, it was. So nosy little Tate couldn't help but follow them out into the hall and join in on their conversation. If somebody doesn't take somebody against the wall right now, I'm going to fucking lose my marbles. (laughs) It'll get there. I promise. You just just got to bear with me. So he joins the conversation, but Miles is super overwhelmed by everything because Tate's like, look, we all want the same thing. We're all mature adults. We're probably stuck in this house for days. You know, why not make some memories to take back home with you? I mean, valid. But Miles still is not ready. You know what I mean? It was one thing to talk to Everly about it, but he's just overwhelmed. So he leaves the hall and goes upstairs. And that's when Tate and Everly hatch a plan. I love plans. Yes. That evening, after dinner, Tate brings up that they should play Truth or Dare. And Everly is like, yeah, like, awesome. So they purposefully play a few rounds of Truth to get everyone loosened up. Then when they feel like the room is loosened up enough, Tate hits Everly with a dare. And he says, I dare you to show me what's in your suitcase. So she does much to Miles' protests. Oh, the horror. And Oh, the horror. Yes. So he is so like flirty and in her face and like rubbing up on her neck while he's like examining the strap on with her <laughs> and everything. And Dean is over here like, what are you doing? That's someone else's girl. What are you doing? Like trying to pull him back. And he's kind of like, just having a little bit of, you know, fun. And then he truth or dares Miles. And Miles takes the bait and he does dare. And he says, kiss Dean. Ooh. And so he does. And it's fantabulous for him. So basically, Tate is like, do we need to carry on with this game or can we just have fun now? So he's like twirling the strap on and like, she's going to look so good in this, isn't she? And like really ramping them up. And they're basically like, 
Miles agrees to kind of just let it go and just work on it. She is. She was going to use it to get me ready. And Dean's like, for what? And Miles is like, for you. Then Tate starts going down on Everly and really just whole face gets right into it. While Dean and Miles get naked and they talk about what a pretty dick Miles has. And he's just stroking Miles and just enjoying watching the show of Tate and Everly. And then they get Everly ready with the strap on. And then they prepare Miles and then Everly does her job and they enjoy themselves getting him ready, but it doesn't last very long because Dean needs to take over and everyone's happy to have Dean take over. So Miles starts getting dicked by Dean. So Tate then starts going to pound town on Everly, right? And they're having a great time enjoying themselves and enjoying watching each other's respective partners. Also, Dean is enjoying watching Tate talk because Tate is a bottom for men, but he's a top for women. So he never gets to see that much because he's not really much for women. But so it's a big deal for him. Can't relate. I'm a bottom all the way through. Seeing that switch and seeing him get so aggressive It's really turning him on. So Dean says, my pleasure comes from Tate being with a woman because I know he loves the feel of them. Plus it gives him a chance to be a top because he doesn't like topping men. He prefers to be a bottom. And I like it that way too. Tate looks up at Dean, smiles, pulls out from Everly. He pulls his cock free so that you can see his shining cock covered in her wetness. And then he turns and waves his cock in front of Miles presenting it to him so that Miles can suck Tate into his mouth, tasting Everly. Then Tate pulls from his mouth, fucks her a few times, and does the same thing again, over and over again. You like the taste of her on my cock, Tate asks. (laughs) Then Tate grins and turns to sit in front of Miles, pulls Everly up so that she can straddle him, and then pulls Miles face down and says, eat that pretty pussy while I'm inside her. And he goes to town licking her clit down his cock, down his balls, having the whole buffet. Well, then they are just having a grand old time and they just keep fucking going. And until like they finish and and then Everly giggles. You have one more thing to do. And she lies in front of Miles, legs spread open. And Miles leans down and eagerly licks it all up. He ate that for breakfast. End scene. It was actually dessert, but because remember, this was after dinner. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Everything was just one. Yes, well, Twinkies usually are dessert foods. That is true. Twinkies are desserts. Later on, amidst the pile of bodies, Dean's phone rings. It's one of his deputies. And he's being called into work. The roads are clearing enough that he needs to go help pull cars out. And so groaning, he has to get up and untangle himself from all the limbs, get ready for work and go. Miles isn't ready yet. And Miles asks if he can ride along with him and go. And he says yes. Oh, I bet he says yes. They're really quiet in the car. And 
they, you know, check in at the police station, then go off to go start pulling cars out. And eventually Dean is like, will you talk to me? And what do you want me to say that I want to go back? I don't want to go back to like, nothing's happening. What's that going to solve? You know, we're going back to our separate lives after this, because when they were at the station, Dean mentioned that they could pull his car out also. So they're all wrapped up in their feelings. They're like, you know, don't play like this was nothing, you know, and it wasn't nothing. It was everything. And Dean's like, backseat now. And so they yes, get in sir. the backseat and they have some special private time in the backseat. Miles is like, I'm going to get dressed. You're going to take me back to my car. I'm going to pick up Everly, but I need a favor first. And he says anything. We need to say goodbye at my car and you can't come home until I'm gone after I get Everly. I can't do this in front of them. And he's like, this has been amazing. I don't regret anything. I know Ev doesn't either. And Dean's like, this doesn't have to be goodbye. We can stay in contact and see each other. Miles, we can't. This needs to be it. And he leaves the vehicle, gets into his car, and Dean drives up the mountain and away, taking Miles' heart with him. And that's the end of the book, motherfuckers! <laughs> Fucker! Does this one also come out in December of 2024? That's the end of the novella. That's it? There's no more? There's not even another book? Aria, why are you breaking our hearts? This is worse. Fine. Why you guys got to be poor sports? I liked it like that. Whatever. This isn't the end of Everly, Miles, Dean, and Tate's story. (laughs) Follow me to find out when their full-length novel comes out. Oh, thank God. Oh, start crying. I liked the <laughs> non traditional ending. want just a book to end like that or a book I where do. they die. I was enjoying myself. <laughs> I know. Damn. That was a bit heart-wrenching. Oh, boy. Just All right. Well, who was your favorite? Get you one last time. I'm going to say Everly. She was a badass bitch. I enjoyed my ride. There's Everly one typo did too. that I found, but I'm going to give this a 3.75. And I'm going to say this was probably a five or six on the cucumber rating scale because it had a lot of stuff. Yep. So, yes, that (laughs) was Snow Place I'd Rather Be by Ames Mills. So if you would like to read the whole book and you're a party pooper and you don't just like to just leave it off where it is, you can go follow her and read the whole thing. Leaving it off like that is just giving the lady blue balls. I just prefer to think of it as they had their fun. Now they're going to go and have their stable, separate relationships, and they're all good. They're not stable now. They might see each other again. You never know. There's a what if. Yeah, and I want to know what if. It's left open-ended. Moving on. Whose turn is it? Angie's. And done. Man, I'm sad. I like almost started crying because she don't was be like, sad. Oh, that's the end. <laughs> don't be sad because you're you're don't be sad. Get glad. Us. Yours will probably uplift us. So we can start on the sad note. See, can you imagine how that would have been if we ended on that? Yeah, I would have <laughs> definitely cried for sure. So good thing we started with me. Yay. So now we're gonna move on to Angie and she's gonna bring us her story. I read Wrapped and Ready by Jay. Pratt. The note from the author was freaking hilarious. Among other things, she says, please do not use any objects not meant for sexual pleasure during the Christmas season. While it may bring you pleasure, 
Accidents happen, and you don't want to end up in a hospital having to explain why you have a butt plug shaped Christmas decoration stuck up your ass. <laughs> Sounds like a party. I just realized that I never said the word tinsel. Listen, the one I had two weeks ago didn't have one. So I said it 60,000 times in a row to make up for it. Tinsel. Say it again, baby. Tinsel. Yes, daddy. Tinsel. One more time. Tinsel. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a short five chapter snowed in why choose MF short story with plenty of toys, tinsel, and tantalizing angst. The author, Pratt, even managed to deliver a quick plotline that left readers wanting more. The whole thing kicks off on December 23rd with Eloise bitching to her friend Libby on the phone about having to take a helicopter ride to a snowy log mansion dubbed The Cabin to make sure it's ready for the annual Christmas party, all because the party planner went into labor. Hashtag rich people problems. Hashtag I want to go to this fucking cabin. Don't complain about a mansion cabin. Come on. (laughs) Oh, no. I need to take a helicopter to a giant mansion cabin in the woods. Oh, no. Fuck you. (laughs) God damn it. Eloise grew up very privileged and in high society, and her parents spoiled her with money. Her friend Libby's parents spoiled her with love and affection, so it kind of all works out. But, so through the Hilo ride, she monologues a bit, and we find out that the cabin is owned by her mother's best friend, Bliss, which is a total old, middle-aged white woman from upper-class society name, whose son... Archie used to be her childhood best friend until something turned them into enemies. Like all good best friends, Libby suggests (laughs) yeah, childhood friends to lovers to enemies to lovers kind of thing. Yeah, Uh, But like all good best friends, Libby suggests that she does something about all this negative energy. She advises our girl Eloise, just fuck him already. Hate fucking is fun. You should try it sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. All jokes aside, Libby was definitely one of my favorite characters because she pushes Eloise to enjoy her youth while she still has it before she's forced to marry somebody of her parents choosing for high society. And she's also an enabler, and we love that. Anyway, she gets to the cabin, and the pilot tells her that he has to pick up Archie and a friend, but if she wants to leave when he gets back, that he'd have no problem taking her back with him. She's absolutely horrified by the idea of being stuck in the cabin with Archie and his date. So she says she'll take him up on that and gets to work. Just as the helicopter is coming back, Eloise is putting the final touches on the cabin, which include hanging mistletoe on the front entrance because Bliss loves that shit. She's like, yeah. Then we get a quick flashback to a year where Bliss tried to coordinate her and Archie walking in at the same time and Archie just grabbed it and threw it outside and kept walking so obviously that man does not want to kiss her no love lost there (laughs) she makes quick work of gathering all her things and heading back toward the door when it opens and she freezes on the spot someone she recognizes as longer than your dad from OnlyFans longer than your dad 
from OnlyFans stands in front of her in a Santa costume with the front open, abs on full display. We learn his name is Felix. He notices the mistletoe and lays one on her before he's snapped out of it by none other than Archie himself. He throws a quick quip about, you don't know where her mouth has been and, you know, stuff like that. Because again, no love lost there. They did not find love in a hopeless place. No, they did not. No. Archie and Eloise start bickering immediately. And Felix suggests that they all chill the fuck out, which makes me like him immediately. Eloise tells them that she's actually leaving when the pilot, named Shipley, or Cap affectionately, gives her the news that we've all been waiting for. They're snowed in for the night. With a pilot too? The pilot hot. Then he also respects the rules. Crystal's going to climb him like a tree. <laughs> then he also respects the rule of mistletoe and kisses Eloise. Because why not? So after the introductions are made, she realizes that not only are Felix and Shipley OnlyFans creators, but Archie is. I'm sorry, too. an OnlyFans creator and a pilot? Damn. Damn. Archie is an OnlyFans creator as well. And our man oh, yeah. is not happy that she now knows his little secret. Meanwhile, we find out that Felix and Archie had planned on filming a Christmas special wherein all the proceeds would go to charity. Aw. Also, subtle. <laughs> this is quite the interesting story. I know. Yes. Right? It's also quite a subtle dig at the point of this anthology, whose proceeds are also all going towards charity, and I really like that. I should note, Eloise is a subscriber of Felix's channel. So, you know, she's kind of starstruck a little bit. And then she's like, oh, my God. So what a coinky dink. Shipley's all like, leave me out of it. There's too many dicks in this equation. I'm just going to hang out with Eloise. But smooth talking Felix, because he's a smooth talker, eventually entices Eloise to join them. smooth criminal. He eventually entices Eloise to join them, which then gets Shipley to agree to join them since he's interested in women. Now, you may be wondering, Angie, how did Eloise even end up agreeing to this thing? It's with Archie. She hates Archie. Well, I'll tell you exactly how Felix got Eloise to agree to shoot with them. Felix said to her, would it make you feel better if we tied Archie up and teased him until he begged you for a release? Obviously, our girl couldn't pass up that opportunity. But this is a good segue into what happens after Felix sends everybody off to shower and starts to prepare the spare bedroom for the scene. So Eloise goes into her bedroom and she's calling Libby and giving her the down low and being like, oh my God, like, should I even do this? Like, I don't know. And Libby, God, I love her. She was like, yes, sorry, I had to move somewhere quiet because I thought you'd said that you're about to have an orgy yes that's exactly what i said felix was all up in my personal business place and he used his voodoo magic to get me to agree now what the heck am i going to do i can't fuck three guys i'm awkward with sexual interactions and normally i vanish before they wake up we are snowed in and that means i can't sneak out she says think of that huge cock we all dream of writing one that big just once I, I mean, <laughs> she's not wrong. 
She says, that scares me as well, I admit. Every time he rails me from behind and I open my mouth, the camera will see the tip of his cock. Ten inches is huge. Is the vagina even that big? Can you break a cervix? No, but it can make it bleed. Libby Not just saying laughs. that from experience at all. Libby just laughs at the panic that this is causing me. Please, if a broken cervix is a thing, let me take you to the hospital. I will need to witness that firsthand. Just do it, because after you graduate, I can see how boring your life is going to be because you are too nice to stand up to your mother. So bang the fuck out of these guys as a fuck you to them. Live in the moment for yourself, and you can't lie to me after that game of truth or dare on your 18th birthday. Basically, she admitted that she had always wanted to have an orgy, and so Libby knows, and she's like, you can't. I mean, who doesn't? Just kidding. <laughs> That's a lot of dicks. Yeah. She's like, as your best friend, I can't stand by and let this opportunity pass you by. She I has a great Libby. friend. She's such a great friend. She's Ariel, like, if you came to me and said something like that and you had that opportunity, I would also be like, just do it. Crystal always promotes dick. I'm a huge applicable. advocate for dick. When she finally talks her into it, she's like, that a girl. Get dressed and have a few shots of liquid courage and stick those cocks in all your free holes. It better be raining come by the end of the night, and I will expect a call tomorrow. <laughs> it's raining come. Hallelujah. It's raining come. So but we love not. Libby. I'm sorry. Okay, so she gets undressed That's one of the and better ones. She- is about to get in the shower when Archie walks into her room and he's like, so you're really going to do this, huh? And they finally have words about exactly what was that went down years ago. Have you guys ever seen another Cinderella story with Selena Gomez? Yes. Keep that in mind. Archie and Eloise were childhood best friends who made a pact. They were supposed to lose their virginities to each other. Except Eloise's arch nemesis, some chick named Stacy, came on to Archie and she saw them. Now, this is what I mean about the Under the Cinderella story because she was standing outside, she sees them, and she runs away, right? So she thought this meant that he had betrayed her and went and fucked Archie's arch nemesis, who recorded it and sent him a copy. Damn miscommunication at its finest uh-huh what actually happened is that archie pushed stacy off of him kicked her out and waited the whole night for eloise and she never came afterwards they ghosted each other and they started being super combative and they both thought they were right i'm gonna give you just a little snippet of this confrontation she came on to me i kicked her out and waited for you He backs me up against the wall, his large body looming over mine as my chest rises and falls rapidly on the verge of a panic attack. Tell me what you did. I was hurt, I snap. I lost my virginity to Brenton and have regretted it every day since. I know. I saw the video. Brenton made sure to send me a copy to rub it in that he got the one thing I wanted. I'm sorry. I didn't know. If I could change it, I would. It's too late now. I despise you. Let's get through this, and you better not fuck it up for me. It's the one place I get to be me, Archie, not Archibald Montgomery II. We can go back to hating each other tomorrow and pretend this never happened. Poor man and his feelings. Yes. Poor so man feelings. His our players. Big man feelings. <laughs> That's the end of chapter three, so we're making our way through. Making my way downtown. 
So, our players are ready and the tension is high. Felix takes them to the spare bedroom and he tells his guests that they need to pretend they all get along fine for the Christmas special's sake and they all agree. Felix fits Shipley with a nice red bow on his cock because, and I quote, Eloise has been a good girl and she deserves gifts with nice bows. And then we find out Archie is a submissive with a praise kink. I will give some background information before we get into the scene. Uh, Felix came prepared for his Christmas special with Christmas-shaped toys. Um, Okay. So there is a Christmas tree-shaped dildo with a head that rotates and it lights up. Like it has fairy lights. Okay. (laughs) He says, awesome, isn't it? I have frozen candy canes, reindeer clit stimulators, bobble butt plugs, and so much more. I hope you're ready. Felix has turned all the cameras on, and everybody is masked and in position. And he gives this little intro, says it's going to be for charity, and that he has guests with him. And he says, we all know that Six Pack and Stacked, which is... Archie, likes to be told how much of a good boy he is. So let's see if he wants to be a good boy tonight. Do you want to be a good boy? Felix asks Archie, who nods. Words, he demands. Archie looks at me and sucks his lips in for a second before releasing them. Yes, I want to be a good boy. Felix pulls out tinsel handcuffs from his back. Hands behind your back and you will be rewarded. Do you want to be a good boy? Do you want to play with tinsel? <laughs> Do you want to play with toys? So once his hands are secured behind his back by tinsel. I will cuff your hand. By tinsel. Covered handcuffs. Felix instructs Eloise to wrap the rest of him up in tinsel as well except that a very nice appendage does not miss eloise's notice and she begins to stroke him just like that just like that which gets our buddy shipley excited and he picks up eloise takes her to the bed he whispers i need to taste you i nod fuck yes i need him to taste me so this is where i started bullet pointing because this is technically the very start of when everything starts to go down. So Felix is off to the side. It's going down. I'm yelling tinsel. Yes. So Archie is secured in a chair with his arms behind his back with tinsel covered handcuffs. And the rest of him is also wrapped up in tinsel with his appendage jutting out. Eloise is now on the bed, and Shipley begins to eat her out. Felix prompts Archie. Isn't that a perfect little cunt? Felix asks. Just when I think it was a rhetorical question, he repeats himself. I said, isn't that a perfect little cunt? Yes, Archie seeds. So fucking perfect. Good boy. Now tell our friend how much you want to see him eat her out. Yes. So while this is happening, Felix goes in and 
he takes out one of the toys and it is a Christmas tree bobble looking butt plug and fits Eloise with it. Once he does that, they both step back to admire and with all those eyes on her, she wants to touch herself and they see that in her eyes. When I think about you, I touch myself. I let my legs fall, o- fall open as the ass plug softly vibrates. So it's also a vibrating butt plug. I want to run my hand down my body to touch myself. They must see it on my face because Shipley hands me the light up dildo. Now, Ariel, this dildo is shaped like a Christmas tree. With lights. It lights Lights. Up. Camera. Action. Literally. Felix says, it looks like we're all going to get a show. Goldie, we want to watch you fuck yourself. Am I missing out by not watching OnlyFans? Apparently we all are. Depending on who you subscribe to, maybe. Just so you know, Shipley's screen name is Junk Plus Trunk. Okay, these names need some work. Her name is Goldie Fox. Instead of Goldilocks, that's funny. Hers is the best. He says, once you have had your first orgasm... Junk plus trunk can fuck your face while I bring you into another orgasm. <laughs> okay. So they watch her masturbate with a Christmas-shaped dildo. And while she does this, Felix moves behind Archie and begins whispering positive reinforcements. Felix stands behind Archie with his hands on his shoulder, whispering about how beating he is, how hard his cock is. So good. Once she comes, she is moved into a new position and Shipley's cock presses against her mouth. Shipley begins to fuck Eloise's face while Felix starts eating her out. Meanwhile, Archie is really beginning to start being impatient in his chair. He says, He needs to be a good boy and then he can participate. Please let me touch myself, Archie begs. Please. Felix pulls back. I want him back behind me, fucking me with his tongue, but with a mouthful of cock, I can't beg him. Change of plans. I want you to fuck her into her second orgasm. Get that pussy dripping. This is like his nightmare. He hates this woman. Kind of. Well, he's talking to Shipley, not Archie. So they have a quick conversation about not using condoms in the V. And... He, uh, Shipley says, I'm clean, but if you want me to, I will wear a condom. She says, shouldn't this have all been discussed prior to the recording? No. Prior to, but. They should have, but nah. It's fine, I whisper. I want to see her come dripping from me for him to see. Please fuck me. So much Twinkies. He didn't have to be asked So twice. many. Yeah. Whatever. Our brains are broken. We're going to let them be broken. So while Shipley is fucking Eloise. Felix moves towards Archie. Archie's still in the chair. He says, do you want to be a bad boy and touch her? Look how close her ass is to your face. You could lean forward and taste her. So Shipley had, while still fucking Eloise, stood up so that he was standing over Archie while he was still inside of Eloise. So she could feel Archie's breath on her butt. And then he says, I want to taste her so bad. Please let me taste her. Would you be willing to taste them both? So Shipley comes inside of Eloise. And then Felix slips in a G-spot stimulator inside of Eloise. And they hold her up so that 
Archie can eat her out using just his face while they're holding her up. So Archie begins to eat her out, and because of the G-spot stimulator, she comes so hard that he starts coughing and gurgling. She squirted in his face, didn't she? She said, I don't think I could come again. Please, I don't. Shh, baby. Felix whispers in my ear. You can. Just push past it. But it feels like I'm going to pee myself. Felix chuckles and I scream as the most intense pleasure hits me hard and fast. Archie coughs and gurgles. Fuck, that was hot. I mean, if she's never squirted before, then she did not know that it definitely feels like you're being yourself. Yes. Can't confirm. Anyways, so they remove the G-spot stimulator and the butt plug, dropping them into the waste basket. And, you know, Shipley's like praising her. She's like, you're doing so well. He like moves her to the bed. And next thing you know, she hears Felix go, oh, fuck, use your mouth just like that. So she looks over and Felix is fucking Archie's face while Eloise and Shipley watch. And Shipley says, do you enjoy watching them? Because he feels her pussy throbbing. Obviously, she's nodding. And he moves to stimulate her nipples. After Felix comes in Archie's face, Archie's released. He grabs the tinsel and heads towards Eloise. Now it's my turn. This is the one part of this orgy that felt really hate fucking in the like selfish way because Archie is a bit of a brat if you couldn't tell they're trying to get him to be a good boy but he's a bit of a brat so he hog ties her with the tinsel and he fucks her from behind until he comes and then he leaves the room all the while excuse me yep he is like showing her with his body how angry he is and how hurt he was and it causes her to feel all the feelings and once he leaves Felix is like ready for the finale and she's like let's do this I gotta get myself out of that headspace Eloise begins writing Felix you know they didn't say but I guess she came out of her tinsel because you can't really sit and ride somebody while you're in hog tie because that's not how limbs work. So we're guessing that the tinsel has been discarded off. Let's be real here. Tinsel is not a great... You can break it pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with how hard Archie was fucking her, it probably broke because he... He hate fuck the shit out of her. Yeah, that was like, so I want to take this moment to remind everybody that Felix does have a 10 inch cock. So she <laughs> is working her way down. You know, it's not much, but it's honest work. She begins writing Felix while Shipley starts working his way into her ass with a condom on because he eventually wants to be able to go back and he can't really double dip like that because it's unsanitary unsanitary and super super dangerous because you could get a lot of infections while they're working their way in and out of her felix grabs the vibrator and puts it between 
Eloise and his body. So it's also stimulating her clit. That is a lot of stimulation going on. The vibrator stays in, stays in the equation until they all finish. So from here on out, there is a vibrator on her clit, no matter what's happening. Just remember that. Keep that in mind. They're working her when Archie comes back and he says, Where'd he I, go? He comes he back. He left the room, remember? I know, but where'd he go? Doesn't matter. The door bursts open and Archie walks back in and looks over at Was us. Is he just with- lingering outside the door? He's probably taken a moment to himself outside. With lust in his eyes. Oh boy. I need to be fucked, he says, and Felix nods. Position change. You will fuck her ass while I fuck yours, and he gets the that perfect pussy. That was Felix giving instructions. In case you got it. He's the director, you know. Yes. So Shipley pulls out the skirts of the condom and she begins writing Shipley. While Archie works his way into her ass, Felix starts fucking Archie. Choo-choo. Choo-choo, motherfucker. (laughs) This is actually my first ever on-page train. Woo! It's actually one of my favorite positions in books. It's great. This was, yeah, it was quite a lot. Experience, yeah. So when they're all done for the last shot, because again, remember, this is for their channel and they are recording. She's laying down on the bed, all jelly limbed, and her knees fall open. And Felix brings the camera with the ring light up and he pushes the cum back inside her with a frozen candy cane sex toy. He says, spread your legs for us, baby. Show everyone how beautiful you look with that much cum weeping from you. And scene. That was the end of their on-screen orgy. Shipley says, let's get you cleaned up to Eloise. And Archie says, no, let's get something to eat. I want to know that my cum is leaking from her ass. Felix says, good boy. Do you know what else would be hot? Shipley ships it if we fucked her in the kitchen while she makes us cookies. (laughs) So now that they have their plans for after this, you know, on-screen thing. Shipley and Felix leave the room for a bit to go clean up. And Archie and Eloise apologize to each other. And, you know, they recognize they were just kids. They probably should have talked. You know, miscommunication trope sucks. So she says, I shouldn't have done what I did. Please forgive me. You have no idea how much I have missed having you in my life. I know what happened here. Can't fix things between us. And he just says, it helps. So, yeah, they, you know, clean up the bare minimum, but they're all still naked and they make their way down into the kitchen and somehow find themselves, you know, in a bit of a food fight while making cookies. There's flour and butter everywhere. And butter is expensive, too. Eloise. Well, I mean, they're rich. Who cares? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently they're all from the same high society. So it. They don't really care. And Eloise is chasing Archie like with a handful of butter and they find themselves alone in the living room and they get to fuck alone first without the cameras before the other guys join in and Felix and Shipley come into the room and go, hell yes, round two. (laughs) So they end up in a heap of limbs and then they go... And actually take a shower now that they're all covered in 
flour and butter and sweats Come. and cup and sweats. That sounds like just the worst kind of cookie. <laughs> well, toaster strudels are a thing, right? Anyway. <laughs> so afterwards, they shower and they're back in the kitchen and two interesting things are revealed. The guys all want to take her out on a date. And she gets a text in a big group chat that says the party is being postponed to New Year's Eve. The sender hopes everyone can still attend the engagement party of Archibald Montgomery and Eloise Livingstone. What? She says, I turn to look at Archie. Is there something you forgot to tell me? He smirks at me. Whoops. I guess that date better go really well now. The end. It was arranged. Yes. Yeah. Damn. So my favorite character is probably Felix because he's got that daddy energy. But I also really liked Libby because she's an enabler and I love that. I love that for us. I also gave this uh, a solid 3.8 out of 5 uh, because it was really short and really sweet and straight to the point. The author, Pratt, was able to bring a storyline into it, uh, however brief, and... The characters felt like characters and not caricatures, which is important to me. And yeah, but it could have used one more pass editing-wise, which is why it's got a little bit of a lower score. But overall, 3.8 out of 5 and a 7 out of 10 cucumber rating. Yay. Well, that's awesome. That's a good story, Angie. That was Wrapped and Ready by Jay Pratt. So mine ends on a cliffhanger, so you're welcome. Oh, Joy. And just like Ariel, this book doesn't come out till December of 2024. I chose Storm by S.E. Green. I chose it for the dedication. The dedication says, to every bully out there, have some tinsel. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Lucifer does. There is actually a character in this book called Lucifer, but that's besides the point. <laughs> so yes, this book will not be coming out for a bit, but it is what it is. And then here are the warnings, which is just Dominant sexual encounters, which include cock warming, rough sex, breeding kink, and primal play. And just a very short one, not nearly as long as the last book I read, <laughs> which was three pages. And I won't struggle as much getting through this book because it's pretty straight to the point. The other one I will put on this is there is an age gap in here. So the book starts off with our main character, Miriam. They call her Miri. And she is on the phone. She is currently sitting in a hospital because her roommate, for some reason, is in the hospital. Do I know why? No. And so she's just... Should she's you? On, Probably. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to know, but I got no idea what's going on. So she's on the phone with her brother, Alejandro. And they are trying to convince her to come home earlier than she planned for the holidays. And... They're really like guilting her into coming home. She has, I believe, five brothers, but I'm not 100% sure. And he's kind of like disappointed because she's like, I have to work. We learn here she is 24. So she's 24. But she just like, they're like really laying it on. And they're like, Papa's not doing so well since you moved. What are we supposed to do? And she goes, it's not my job to raise you and the boys anymore. Like, but that's what she's always done is she has literally just raised them. And Boundaries. she's just, yes. And she's tired. And there is a dude sitting next to her while she's waiting. His name is Captain Kevin Cooper. I think 
that he knows her roommate based on like some little contexty situation going on. But her brothers are continuing to guilt her and different brothers keep popping on the phone and like, are you coming home? I miss you. I'm so hungry. Papa cooks like shit. And we are always working. What are we supposed to do? And she is like just not having a great time on this phone call. And before she can even like insert her opinion, her brother Christian pops on and he is the older brother. So he is only two years younger than her. And he just goes, I know you're busy, but you need to come home. And she's like, I've told you the last three months that I cannot come home for the holidays because of seniority at work. So she's a caretaker and like she can't just like leave. And she goes, please don't make me feel bad about this. And then he goes, no offense, but this is bullshit. You've been gone for two years and what do you have to show for it? You're working your ass off, wiping the asses of old people just so you can take a few classes a semester. I thought you were supposed to be a, birth- a nurse by now. And I'm like, bitch. Oh, yeah. No, she is. Fuck you. She is not happy. And she goes, I am working. Gee, I wonder why she needs these boundaries. Right. She's like, I'm working two fucking jobs and going to school full time. You can fuck right off for not being done being a nurse in two years. That is a four year program. And so she's like fucking, you know, going in on him, which great. And then out of nowhere, the phone is like taken from her hand because Mr. Kevin over here yanks the phone out of her hand and says your sister will be home in a few days she needs to go now and then hangs up the phone I was like all right yeah that's good and so she pulls her phone back out because now she's going to cave and change all her plans so she can get home and he goes so you're leaving and she goes I have to and he goes but you're not going to your actual house you're going to go to your family's and she goes yeah I'm just going to take the bus and for the record she does not like the fact that he's butting in to any of this and she does call him a pendejo a lot she says that word a lot i had to bring in angie so i could potentially read some of these if i don't read them don't worry about it but just know she speaks spanish and he is like where does your family live and she does tell him where they live and he goes listen i'm going on vacation i have a cabin on the way why don't i just drive you it'll save you you know money from taking the bus she goes, no, thanks. And he goes, there's no need to be argumentative. I'm literally going in that direction. Don't be a pain in the ass. Cool. Thanks, bro. I know. Right. But the dude is super hot. So she's kind of into this like demanding tone. So she finally caves in and they're off. So <laughs> they're going and they're driving. She's seeing all these advertisements and she sees one for a dollar store and she goes, hey, I need to make a stop. And he's like, for what? And she goes, Tito needs a present. And he goes, who the fuck is Tito? She's like, the family cat Lucifer. So his name is Tito, Tito, but she calls him Lucifer. And she's like, no explanation. This cat is the goddamn devil. And he goes, well, what do you need to get him? Where am I going? So she points over to the Dollar Tree and she goes, I'll be right back. And she's running through and her eyes fall on a red tinsel package. And she's like, I have to buy it. So she grabs four packages of the tinsel and he's like why did you buy tinsel and she goes because fuck lucifer (laughs) what does it have to do with your cat she's like have you never had a cat before captain cats freaking love tinsel 
they can't stop themselves from eating it. So when I get home, I'm going to cover the tree in tinsel. And he's like, won't that hurt the cat? And she goes, yeah, I hope he fucking chokes on it. Fuck that cat. He's a goddamn vicious bully. He has it coming to him. Well, I don't like bullies. The cat is going to throw up the tinsel. Is basically what it is. Apparently, Lucifer the cat has tried to kill her on multiple occasions. And he's like, aren't you vicious? And she goes, fuck that cat. So she gets all this tinsel. And they're in the car. And it's a two-hour drive to where they're going. And his phone goes off. And he just answers it, Cooper, with his last name. And all she can hear, because she's being nosy, is that something about a woman named Lisbeth, her plane got grounded, and she's not coming, and that she needs to reschedule. But they aren't booking out for another three days because of the storm. So like wherever this person is that's calling him is stuck somewhere for three days because of the storm. And whoever this Lisbeth lady is had canceled and can't come. He's a little pissed about it. And he's super frustrated that this woman is not coming. And she goes like, what the fuck is going on? Who the fuck is this lady? And he goes, don't, don't send them home yet. Like, just give me a few minutes to figure stuff out and I'll call you back. I'm only like an hour away, hour and a half away. And he goes, I might have an alternative. Let me call you back once I get it sorted. So he hangs off the phone and she goes, what the hell? And he goes, I have a proposition for you. And she's like, what? And for the record, it does switch everyone's point of view and throughout the book. And it's really nice. So, the you know, now we're going to go into Kevin's point of view. It's really nice. And they're very clearly labeled. So there's that. And he goes, would you? want to accompany me to a cabin for the weekend to fuck both me and my three friends he goes i'm gonna be that escalated quickly yeah he's like i'm gonna be blunt some friends and i had planned a weekend at a cabin and the woman who was gonna join us lisbeth can't make it this time away is really important to us i know i'm taking you to your family right now but would you be interested in delaying and joining us instead she's like for what cooking or something he goes no not to cook she goes well what for what he's like sex And he's uncomfortable because he's not the one who typically handles this situation. And she just goes, do you have pictures of them? And he goes, do they matter? Like, does looks matter? And she goes, yeah, I don't fucking know any of them. What the hell else am I supposed to base my decision on how well they treat their mother? (laughs) (laughs) So he hands her his phone so she can scroll and she's kind of going through them and He's explaining who these people are throughout the pictures. There's the first one. His name is Tatum, and he is a paramedic. And then the other one is Ezra. He is Tatum's best friend. He works for the Parks and Recs Department as well, and he was an army ranger with Tatum like 10 years ago. And then the third guy is Richard, and he's a lawyer. He goes, he's wound up tighter than a nun's habit, but he's nice. And she just goes... I'm not entirely against the idea, if I'm being honest, but I should probably let you know that I'm a virgin. I'm not sure really how that would work out with all of you. And he's confused. He's like, uh, um, oh, how old are you? She goes, I'm 24. And he goes, huh. He goes, well, I don't see an issue if you don't. We'll approach it differently than we normally do, keeping in mind that your body will need extra recovery time. So it doesn't even phase him about this. And she goes, oh, you're so clinical. And so... That happens. So she is going to text her family and let them know that she's not going to go till Monday. And he ends up texting the guys, letting them know that I'm bringing somebody. Her name's Miriam. 
also she's a virgin so just like be aware of that but like we'll be there shortly they get to the cabin and then he just goes to introduce her to everybody and you have Ezra just chilling off in like a corner kind of being like in the shadows but he goes in to introduce her to everybody and he decides he's gonna go bring her into Richard and when she goes into this office with Richard because again he's kind of working I guess because why not work he's a lawyer so I guess it makes sense and as she gets in there he just hands her papers and just goes here's our contract it's an NDA for the record and she goes you have a contract for the woman you bring here he's like I'm a lawyer and she goes okay I'm a home health worker (laughs) she's like you all make everyone you bring here sign a contract do you guys sign one too because what if I don't want you talking about me either and Tatum's like I like her like I like her and she goes what do you do with the women that's so over the top to require a contract and Richard just goes we do everything to them and she goes all right where do I sign and she just signs the contract (laughs) I love Miriam a lot she is she's a treat I feel a certain connection with Miriam (laughs) I feel like a lot of the choices she's making are choices that I would also make (laughs) it's just it's so funny so then we go into Richard's point of view and he's looking at her paperwork and he goes you're only 24 and she goes how old are you and then she snaps at him because he's staring at her tits and she goes my face is up here I grew up with five brothers who had a lot of friends so I don't tolerate having my tits stared at while someone is speaking to me and I'm like girl I love this. She's great. And this is where we find out the age of all of the men. So Richard is 37. Ezra is 34. Tatum is 33. And Kevin is 45. She's 24. Doesn't even phase her. And they're so like, you know what? Why don't we grab some food? We'll chat. We'll get to know you a little bit. And then Richard's like, can we just start again? And he just reintroduces himself. And she goes, this is a little overwhelming. And they can kind of understand it. And she's just kind of explaining, like, I have two jobs. I'm going to school. I'm taking care of my family. And they're like, then you need this weekend just as much as we do. She walks into the kitchen and she just hears Tatum speaking. Well, who's fucking her first? Because, again, she is a virgin and she just. Like a virgin. She says to Kevin, she's like, I'm assuming you told them. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, he told us. And. You know, they're just trying to decide who is going to fuck her first. And Ezra just goes, not me. And then she says words I can't pronounce. But basically, she just told him to go get fucked. Because Ezra can understand her. Because he can speak Spanish. He does not let her know that, though. He just Mm. keeps quiet about the fact that he knows Spanish. It's cute. But he does. He goes, she told me to get fucked. (laughs) Which was really funny. And uh, it is hinted that he's a bit wild and they kind of consistently try to keep him in check throughout like everything because you know he can get a little much and he's also not around a lot of people so his social skills aren't fully up there and everyone's just staring at her and she goes can we just stop making this super awkward like can we just go with the flow and Tatum just goes absolutely and then takes a few steps towards her, picks her up by her waist and drops her on the counter. 
Grabbing her knees, he shoves her legs apart and steps between them, then pulls her hips forward until he's pressed against her. So he's like, yeah, sure, we can just like skip all this stuff. He's like, tell me, Miriam. And she's like, my friends call me Mary. He goes, Mary, how much experience do you have? And we learned she's kissed boys before and she gave a handjob to one guy in high school and no one ever returned the favor. And Tatum's just like, wonderful. And then he fucking makes the fuck out with her. Then you just hear Ezra in the background and he goes, why is there a massive bag of tinsel in the, and then he gets distracted by Tatum making out with Mary and he goes oh hell yes then we learn like their arrangement kind of just turned into this over time they weren't all sitting together one day and decided now let's all just fuck this one girl it's just there was one time there was a woman and she had met Kevin and then like drinks happened and then all of them ended up back at a place in that and so it just it evolved over time it wasn't just let's all arrange this so now it's this now they just arrange it all the time to get the edge off because they all work high stress jobs which makes sense and then Hayden whispers like a question about protection and she was just like well I'm on birth control and Richard is kind of like There's just something about seeing my cum leak out of a well-fucked pussy that makes me feral. I'm going to fill her as many times as I can over the next few days. And I was like, okay. So here we are. Well then. Yeah. All right, Daddy Richard. I know. (laughs) She's just having the time of her life. I mean, she's got hot men making out with her. She's got other men staring at them. It's great. And... As she nips Tatum's mouth a little, he just goes, eyes on me, baby. And I'm like, ugh, yes, please. All the time. And he just, like, rips her shirt off. And she's like, I've never been topless in front of people. So this is an interesting experience. And he's just like, oh, you taste so good. And when she, like, is looking around the room, she sees Richard. And he's just quiet, leaning up against the wall, arms crossed. And she can see his dick straining against his pants. And when he sees her looking at him, he smiles a little bit and then reaches down and squeezes himself, you know, because why not? Again, Tatum's just like going at her neck and like he is like loving up on her. And then she hears Ezra groan. And so she looks at him and there's apparently this super wild look in his eyes like he's ready to jump on her, but he's kind of holding himself back a little bit. Tatum asks her if he can take her panties off. And she goes, okay. And she goes, I didn't know I was going to do this. I haven't shaved for a week. And Tatum goes, I don't give a fuck about that. Let me see you, baby. And takes her pants off. (laughs) And he goes, are you doing okay? And she goes, ask me tomorrow. (laughs) Which, fair. And then he eats her out. (laughs) And she can see Kevin, like, looking at her with a smile. And... Kevin's like rubbing her head and he's like, you're doing amazing. Widen your hips. You look delicious from here. And I'm like, so you're really digging this. Dude, this was a great story for myself. As she's coming, Tatum's going to fuck her basically in this point. And after she comes, he like tugs her down, like closer to the edge of the counter. And he goes, look at me. I'm going to go quick. Are you good with that? Because it is her first time. He's just going to shove it in there. And she goes, yes. Rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak. Pretty much, yeah. 
So he does. He drives himself pretty deep inside of her. And he goes, I didn't realize you'd be so fucking tight. <laughs> it, I don't know if any of them have ever fucked a virgin. So like, here we are there. You know, I mean, it makes sense. You get it. And she just moans out in Spanish for the love of God. He feels so good. I will butcher it. Por el amor de Dios. Por el amor de Dios. There you go. It's as good as I got. That was really good. Thanks. That was really good. As Tatum is banging her, she feels like another body touching her. And it's Ezra. And he's only inches from her face. And he just grabs her. And she can see he's got a scar going down the side of his face. And apparently he's just hot. And he just looks dangerous and unhinged. And he just says to her, tell me how it feels. And she's like, it hurts, but really fucking good at the same time. I'm going to burst. And then he just looks at Tatum and says, fuck her harder. And then Ezra says to her, I want to kiss you. And so he does. And he's making out with her. And then Tatum's like, grab her leg and hold her open. I'm going to come soon. So he does. And she's like, I don't even think my body can fucking take this for the whole weekend. So as they're done, then Kevin goes, let me take her. And she just goes, fuck. I forgot the other two were even in the room. And Tatum takes her off and... She just goes, where are we going? Kevin picks her up and carries her. And he just says, I'm going to run you a bath. You did good, baby girl. So fucking good. And they brought her to the bath. Some beautiful aftercare. And then we switch into Tatum's point of view. And he just goes up to Ezra and he goes, you kissed her? And Ezra's like, yeah. And then he just goes, I want to watch him give her a bath. So he's going to go watch Kevin give Mary a bath. And we come to find out that all of the women that they have brought to this cabin, Ezra has never kissed a single one of them. So she is the first person that he has ever kissed in this situation, which is cute. This poor tortured soul of a man. I don't know much more about him, but that's okay. They notice that it's snowing outside and they're like, how much are we supposed to get? Well, over a foot, but it's the winds that are going to be an issue. We should probably get out of here tonight before it gets too bad, but I don't want to. I want to keep her here. So they're going to stay for the weekend. They're not going to leave because that would not be a snowed in book if they left. And then all of a sudden, Tatum and Ezra hear like a little muted cry from upstairs. Because guess what? Miriam snaps over and Richard and Kevin have her stretched across the bed on her back. So Ezra crawls up to lie next to her and just that and they're like, so no break then. And Mary's moaning from Richard doing shit between her legs. And so they climb on the bed and Kevin and Ezra are fucking her mouth. So boop boops. And Richard is fucking her. And it's just there's a lot of dicks. And then... Angie can insert the next Spanish word for me where she just says, for fuck's sake. Con un carajo. So she says that. But as she said it, Ezra just like whispers in Tatum's ear, like what she's saying. So again, because this man knows Spanish, he's just like sneakily knowing these things because, you know, Kevin takes her hair and shoves his cock in her mouth again. He can just hear her garbled cries over her dick be. It's yeah. And so Tatum 
is watching her being filled up with cum and he just like roams his eyes down to her stomach and he is just curious about what it would look like if they filled her so often that she would walk out pregnant so yeah and so richard comes back and he just goes don't let because richard filled her also in her the clinical term and just says don't let any of it out miriam keep it in there for me and he just presses his dick into her to keep the cum into her there's a lot of cum keeping into people these past few stories. Angie had it with the candy cane thing. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, so then Ezra grabs Lube and just like eyes her ass. Tatum's like, let's just wait on that for a little bit. Like, let's see if it's something she would want to explore. Because Ezra's just like raring to go and wants to do these things. Kevin's about to blow his load in her face, in her mouth. And he goes, are you going to swallow for me? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, big breath, then open. And then he comes down her throat. After everything's done, they're just kind of laying around. And Kevin asks for a towel so that he can clean up. So as she's sleeping, because she falls asleep, they clean her up from all of their mess. And they cover her up with a little blanket and like tuck her in a little bit. And then they're going to go downstairs and make Fast forward, it's kind of like overnight and everyone's asleep because it's 4 a.m. and we're in Ezra's point of view. The storm has now locked them in for extra days because, you know, it's a lot of snow, man. But he loves this kind of weather. It he's And it's just, and he loves the storms. And he says they're exciting as fuck and energize me. The only downside is I haven't gotten her into the woods and I fucking need to. Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Oh my god. Everyone's passed out, and all he can think about is Mary, and he just says that he's decided to keep her. And he can see her little tiptoeing to the window in the bedroom because everyone's asleep, not him. They're all in one giant bed. And she's just like staring out, and he gets up, and he knows all the little floorboards that make noise, so he avoids those, and he stalks her throughout the room. And then he just comes up behind her and she screams and he goes, caught you. And then she says, Me asustaste, pendejo. And he just says, I love the fact that she has no idea I speak Spanish. And he just goes, you were running away. She's like, I was going to go grab some water. And he just goes, spread your legs. I need to fuck you. And so he does. And he fucks the shit out of her. And He's going really hard and he goes, I wanted to take you outside, but the fucking snow, the snow ruined it. I wanted to stalk you in the woods, make you run from me until I found you. I want to fuck you into the ground, then come all over your body, wanted to mark my territory. And he is like really going at it in her. And he comes extremely hard and he says this is like literally the hardest he has ever come in his life. And then he just like eyes the door because he wanted to bring her out into the snow and Kevin's like no and brings him back down and then he asks her if she's okay and she goes I'm fine and so they go and grab her juice and everything and then he you know he does ask did I hurt you she's like no you didn't but I need sleep so they kind of just like lay down together it's so fucking cute and Miriam still passed out and he just hears people in Richard's office and they're arguing 
And Richard just says, you can't get attached. So Ezra's like, well, what's going on? And Tatum is furious and he goes, I can't since when is that written into your fucking contract? And Kevin's like, it's done. Our time's up. The road's clear this morning. You know, we got to go. And Tatum's like, can we just keep her for another few days? Ezra still didn't even get to, to do his chase. Like, he likes to chase people in the woods and hunt them down. So then they're talking about, yeah. I feel like he would get along so well with Zade. That's all I could think of when I was reading that part, by the way. Yeah. Richard's just like, he'll survive. Just someone fucking pay her. I need to head out. And Kevin's like, I've got the $25,000 we were going to give to Elizabeth. I'll take Miriam to her dad's and then give it to her in the car. Does that work? And I mean, it could. And, you know, was just like thinking to himself, I'm going to ask her to come home with me instead of Kevin just taking her home. But then everyone's phones lit up with a message. And the message is from Miriam saying, I'm not a whore. Fuck you all for thinking I was here just to suck your dicks for money. Thank you so much for turning this experience for me into something disgusting and for making me feel worthless. Oh, wait, but I guess I'm not worthless. $25,000, right? And then a long sentence that I can't state. Kevin's just like, what the fuck? And Richard's like, what does that mean? And he asks Ezra to translate it. And he just says, she basically said we can all go fuck ourselves, then said we're a bunch of old men with small dicks. And Richard's like, what the hell? Why did she leave? And then... Ezra's like, obviously, she overheard heard the chat that we had. And he asked Kevin, did you not tell her that how this normally goes? And he goes, no, nah, I didn't. Definitely not the money part. And then Richard's like, she did this for free? Ezra's like, yeah, she fucking did it for free. But then he just thinks, Miri ran. Finally, I get to chase her. I hope she can weather the storm when I catch her. And that's the end of the book. So it will be available 12 20 24. And it's going to be a lot longer. These men have some groveling to do. But what I really want to say is this. Fuck bullying. Fuck you for thinking you have the right to bring someone else down, control their lives, say shit that's untrue, or manipulate them until they feel undone or unsafe. Fuck every single one of you. Yeah. Yeah. What a way so- to end Snowed in January. I, know, right? I liked this. I can't wait to read the full book. It'll be interesting to read. So I'm going to give it a 3.5 because it is unfinished. Like, and I just, I want to know more about it. I, I really know. Can you show me? Um, I really liked Miriam a lot. I really liked Tatum in a fucked up way. I really liked Ezra. A really fucked up way. But Miriam was great. I liked her. She was very like outspoken except for her family. But I'm sure there's a dynamic there to why she doesn't speak out against them most of the time. And I liked all her little quips throughout the whole thing. I do like how the boys took her virginity and was like, okay, that's cool. Well, it's fine. Like, they weren't, like, so focused on, like, oh, my God, we need to make this, like, perfect. It did go from zero to 100 pretty quickly with, hey, do you want to just come to my cabin and fuck me and my three friends? (laughs) That came out of nowhere. And it was interesting. Escalated quickly. It did, yeah. But I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, yes. Yeah. And I'll probably go like a five with this cucumber rating only because like, I don't know what the rest of the book looks like. I enjoyed what they did. It was great. And that was that. Thank you for joining us for Snowed in January. I hope that 
It was as fun a ride for you as it was for us. It was important for us to set aside this month and really just take the time to just stick our feet in and do the snowed in trope. We have always had a very big stance on being anti-bullying, knowing we're petty. And because we had a book taken away from us, I needed a whole month to be an asshole about it. We needed a whole month. So it was nice, especially seeing Mm -hmm. a lot of the dedications that most of the authors did throughout all of the snowed in books were aimed. We weren't alone. Yes, it is nice to, you know, we're not alone. And it's nice to see an entire book community come together to help support an author. Come together. Literally. Well, we all came together this month. And <laughs> lots of people came together this month. Because so yeah, truly, uh-huh. when you're snowed in, why choose? And with that, we close out the month. And so make sure that you keep reading. Keep it smutty. In the corner. Ooh, God, I'm not afraid.